0: Hey there, welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. I'm Andrew, and I'm thankful that you are here listening to us right now. We've got a really cool conversation this week with Lindsey Kelly from Prospect Builder. Great chats with her about their journey to start an agency, and it's a fantastic conversation. I love Lindsay. She dives into some really, really cool detail, and she's not the biggest agency in the world, and that's what I loved about this interview. She's open and honest about where she's coming from, the pains that they're experiencing as they're growing their agency, and also the strategy that they used to select a focus and dive down specifically in terms of the type of customers that they want to work with. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this interview if you're trying to build an agency and you're in the really, really early phases. But if you're also in that established phase trying to take it up to the next level, I think you're going to grab a lot of insight from what Lindsay has to say here. So without further ado, folks, here we go.
1: Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray.
2: Welcome back to Inbound Agency Journey. I'm your host, Gray McKenzie, and I am very excited to have on the podcast today, finally, um, a good friend and great person in the inbound space. Lindsay Kelly, um, who is from Prospect Builder. So I'm excited to dive into her story here today. Lindsay, thanks for coming on the podcast.
3: Hey, Gray. Thank you for having me. It's about time we got back together again.
2: <laughs> I know. Well, what's funny is in last week's episode, uh, I had your the co-host of your podcast, which is called The Funnel. And if you guys aren't listening right now, after a second week of plugging it, well, you should be, uh, <laughs> but had John Shay on last week and obviously he had nothing but complimentary things to say about you. So I'm excited to get you on the podcast, sharing your story here. Um, Lindsay, can you, so to kick off with your story and the reason that I love to start with a story in these podcasts is just because as you know, and as folks who are listening to this in the inbound space know, uh, until we like you and until we trust you, uh, you we're not really going to listen to what you have to say about how to run an agency and that kind of stuff. So I love starting with a story and just letting people get to know kind of the personality and, um, what you've been through on your journey. So could you kind of bring us up to speed on how you have, uh, gone through your marketing career and now, um, just kind of the, the evolution of prospect builder from start to here we are, uh, tail end of 2015.
3: Oh, I'd love to. Thank you. Um, but first of all, um, I just wanna say right off the bat, I'm gonna come at this from a place of true vulnerability because we are young as an agency and I'm I'm excited and nervous at the same time to share some of the things that we're going through because we don't have gigantic successes yet. 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 But but I, I'm, I'm going to talk about, you know, our failures. <laughs> I'm going to talk about what we're figuring out. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll have a lot of fun with that. But uh, my, my journey began in, in the late 90s. I grew up in uh, the dot bomb era. And so that was a huge benefit, I believe, in, in what has brought me to where I am today. Because I grew up in the traditional ad agency world. Um, that's where I started. And then the interactive part was growing as I was growing. So I kind of learned it real time. And fast forward to um, 2009, I ended up getting um, a, a marketing job, uh, running the marketing department for a large copier dealer in, in the Baltimore area where I'm originally from. I'm in West Palm now, so people hate me in the winter, and I hate everybody in Maryland in the summer because I'm, you know, humidity just kills, Um, but uh, ended up being hired by uh, our friend from last week, John Shea, and he was the VP of sales, and so it was one of those dream situations where sales and marketing uh, just notoriously, they don't get along. There's (laughs) There's always a finger pointed in one direction or the other, and your leads are crap, or you know, you don't know how to sell. So it was a breath of fresh air to honestly get to work with John Shea because he got it. He listened to what needed to happen. This was the sort of beginning of the evolution of the buyer and the tools that were coming available from just the online research perspective. And, uh, the, the, that world, the copier world, um, is very, they, they lag a little bit, they're, they're behind the times when it comes to some of the technologies of marketing themselves and some of the, the sales tools that they were using. Even though forward-facing, they were fantastic at the technology they provided to, to their customers. So, so John and I uh, worked together for almost four years. I was doing inbound marketing without knowing that it was called inbound marketing at the time and uh, actually tried to bring HubSpot into that dealership, but they, they were not ready. They were like, what is this tool? What do you want to do? Uh, they were television oriented they had really built their brand uh, in that local market because these copier dealers are local market guys. Um, they built it on on television and on on print ads and events, and uh, it, it was a tough um, uphill boulder push to get them to let me do some stuff online and um, it wasn 't until the website won an award in 2010 for some of the things that we changed around where they were like, okay, maybe we'll let you do a little bit more. (laughs) So uh, John and I had a great four years together and then um, some wonderful stars aligned and we ended up starting a company together called Prospect Builder. I'm sorry. No, it's not Prospect Builder. That's where I am now. Alignment Group. Um, it 's usually the other way around i flip my I flip my companies and keep saying i 'm from alignment group now um, but <laughs> but we basically we would go in and, and consult with with sales and marketing folks and try to get them to understand uh, the inbound methodology and really teach those sales reps how to sell inbound um, and i 'm sure John told you that whole story but um we did that for for a while and then we happily parted ways we still do our podcasts we 're still wonderful great friends and I literally had just been like, I want a team. I want a marketing team. I want to grow this. And that really, it wasn't, we we were just misaligned. And so I said, well, fine. I'm just going to, I'm going to take a couple clients and and I'm just going to do marketing on my own. Well, I got about four days to myself before I got a LinkedIn message from Daryl Amy. And Daryl Amy is one of the most well-known copier marketing people in that entire industry. So he had a 10-year-old business where he was providing digital marketing services, very basic um, kind of let's fix your website. And then it grew into, you know, let's blog for you. Let's do social. Let's make sure that we've got cars in the parking lot. So if somebody does go and see what you're that, that you're online, that you've got something there. So there wasn't a whole lot behind the the sort of, buyer persona behind all of that because he was he didn't know about that just yet. And uh, so when I came on board and I started talking about this, he's a very intelligent guy. He is very bright. Um, he also does have shiny object syndrome, I affectionately say. But he was just absolutely blown away by HubSpot, by the inbound methodology, by all the things that we could really do. And he's like, we need to revolutionize our industry. They need to understand this better. And so he's like, come come and join my team. And, and let's let's do this. And we very quickly realized that um, his company, Dealer Marketing, that had a 10-year um, uh, power behind it of fixing websites and building websites and really helping the copier-dealer world um, step into the present day with, with up-to-date websites and, and really sophisticated um, product catalogs online and, and things like that so folks could actually go and get information off the website. He's like, this is a different level. Let's branch off and build an inbound marketing agency specifically for copier dealers and managed service providers because that's the the evolution of the copier dealer right now. They've gone into document management. Um, they're now into managed services, so they take care of people's entire IT infrastructure. And so that's where we were born. And we came onto the scene in 2014 and... We, no, 2000, no, 2015. We we talked about it in 2014, 2015, January. So we're only about nine months old. Um, We we started lightly presenting this, and we still haven't even, I guess, come out of the closet to the industry that we are part of dealer marketing and that we are a different type of a a level of service. So we did a lot of speaking engagements. Uh, We've educated a lot about buyer 2.0, even though we don't like that term, it's familiar to them now. Um, in that industry. And so that's kind of where we are now. We, are, we serve copier dealers and we serve managed service folks, and uh, we are very niche. So we're lucky in the aspect that dealer marketing has 10 years behind it and wonderful relationships where in the beginning we could say, okay, who's going to be a right fit? Um, and then going through the discovery process and, um, and put, kind of hand selecting who we wanted to work with in the beginning. So that's been an interesting journey.
2: Wow. Man, it's awesome to hear and good job. You and John, the story's lined up. You guys aren't both making stuff up, so or, <laughs> or you're making it up together. So, good job. Um, but no, that's that's awesome just to hear kind of where it's come from. And I love one of the things that I was really excited, Lindsay, to get you on to talk about is you guys at the niche. I don't know of any other agencies that are in the vertical that you're in, and you're also very much entrenched in that vertical, at least right now. Um, so that, I think that that is something as we see more and more agencies start to realize the not just the value but also the need if they're going to set themselves apart um, as the number of agencies just continues to grow and explode, um, the need to be in a specific niche or in a specific vertical. So um, one question that I had for you about the, uh, the prospect builder team today is just what is the um, – you clued us in on the age of the agency, some of the normal facts that, that we like to get into. But what does the team structure look like? And are you guys in person? Are you working remotely? What is that? What is the setup like?
3: Yeah, we are one hundred percent remote. We um we span the, the country. Um our clients span the country, um, and up into Canada as well. Um and we're actually about to, to start working with some folks in Australia, <laughs> so I can't wait to go down under. Yes. Um, never been, so it's a long plane ride, but it'll be worth it. So we, um, right now, our team structures, basically we have six folks. We have our owner, um, who still runs the entire dealer marketing side, and that's Daryl, um, but he's also, we're very entrenched in understanding what we're both doing on both sides, because they feed each other. Um uh, I basically run the agency. Uh, that was why he really brought me on to, to do that. And I was the one that understood HubSpot already having been in it since 2012. Um, I was able to quickly jump in and just be like, okay, I know exactly how to use this tool. Let's, let's get started. Let's find some folks. Let's do some discovery. Um, and I had a great um, channel account manager to help me get through that. Um, and then we've got, uh, we, we got lucky because we were able to snag an amazing content writer, Um, from an organization called AIM, and um, I I basically, I I wrote him a poem to to have him choose us. He literally had a better offer from somebody else. We couldn't afford him. (laughs) We were like, what are we going to do? We need him. He understands the industry. He understands document management, so I wrote him a lovely poem. It was, Roses are red, violets are blue. I love my team, and you will too, (laughs) and uh, literally, he just was dying laughing, and I had had a relationship with him Uh, for about four years prior, more digital um, than anything else. But um, (laughs) (laughs) that's how I got my content writer. And uh, he he really is. He's amazing. Our clients adore him. He's able to capture the essence of their voice so well. They didn't even know that was their voice. I have a social media director who is beyond the cutting edge of every social thing that happens. I mean, he knew about Blab like the minute it came out. Yep. (laughs) And I I was on a Blab this morning. I just kind of barged my way in with George B. Thomas. Um, (laughs) Awesome. And um, he was with Dealer Marketing. He was doing all of the social for them. So slowly but surely, we started to bring him over to our side and we've now claimed him and uh, his name is John and he is fabulous and he's understanding more and more now that he's inside this whole inbound world he's understanding engagement so you know I've got one guy that does all the content writing I've got one guy that does all the social personality and engagement um, and interacting on a local level with some of the um, the entities that are uh, like the news writers and things like that because it's harder from an inbound perspective to get hyper local, <laughs> right? Uh, so, so he does a really nice job of connecting with um, it, uh, thought leaders in the, the specific geographies that we serve, and then uh, so we 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 were moving along quite well for a while, and and all of a sudden it was like I, I can't do anymore, guys. I can't I can't do anymore. I was doing all the tactical execution on top of the strategy. So growing pain number one. <laughs> Yep, I, I I was way beyond capacity, and um, I I mean I know a lot about HubSpot, but you you know how they move they're they're very quick. They bring new things to the table every day to make life better, but it's hard to keep up with all of that if you're the only one scheduling for multiple clients and and formatting and doing all the s- strategy and the game plans and and then trying to get in there and format everything as well. It's very hard. So um, we we sent out a job description to. Um, a few people had a couple interviews and got really lucky. Uh we were able to find an amazing inbound marketing coordinator. Uh she didn't know anything about inbound, um but she impressed me the most because she came to the table and said, "By the way, I went ahead and got inbound certified so I understand what the job is." Um and now I'd like to talk more about how you guys do this and what you do. And so it was very she she presented herself so well and um and she's just she's just a sweetheart. Um but, uh, the whole team interviewed her, and she was able to deal with our shenanigans because we we do get a little punchy so uh, so that that's our team right now, and then I'm lucky enough to now have um, a dedicated salesperson. so um, I know that sales and marketing have it's been a huge topic of conversation um, within Hubspot and helping uh, sales folks understand what true inbound leads are how to work them and it's it's a big challenge and you know john shay's company the inbound sales academy is just i mean the timing couldn't be better um you know i know him i know how he works i know what he's going to be able to do for folks so it's exciting because it is hard to figure out how to help sales reps work with leads when you're a marketer standing there going no this is how you're supposed to do yourself <laughs> right they're like uh really so um my, my sales guy, his name is John as well. I'm surrounded by Johns in my life. And um, it gets confusing. Um, he, uh, he's been selling with Daryl um, on the dealer marketing side for the better part of, I think, like eight years. And he has jumped headfirst into understanding inbound. And it wasn't until I did, before Prospect Builder started, I did an entire campaign wrapped around, you know, dealer principal Dave. That's our target, uh, primary persona for dealer marketing. And it took weeks to build. And they're like, what are you doing over there? <laughs> and I'm like, just trust me. Give me some time. And so long story short, he was able to generate almost 100 leads from a campaign that we built. Um, and he was able to qualify six into sales qualified leads. And he was able to close four of them. Um, and that power of not because, I mean, you know, it, it, 60-some leads came in the first day. It got up to almost 100. And he's like, I've set aside time to sit down and start calling people. And I'm like, don't you dare. You, we're nurturing here. He's like, we're wedding." I'm like, we're nurturing here. I said, let, let them nurture. I said, it's like simmering, you know? So long story short, he's like, I could have wasted hours calling almost 100 people, trying to get them on the phone. But instead, I waited. And I worked those six. And I made a lot more money in a lot less time. And so that's when he became a true believer, and that's when he decided he was going to help us out as well. And um, the way that we approach our our sale uh, is—I don't know if it's unique in the industry, but it works really well for us. Um, Do you want to hear about it?
2: I do want to hear about it. Oh, okay.
3: (laughs) i'm like in my off script um but basically he he knows all these guys already so that's a huge advantage and that's really tough if you're trying to break into an industry and you don't know every every little nuance i've worked inside of these dealerships i speak the language which i think really impresses a lot of them because like oh you know all these things i'm like yes i understand your your entire installation process and um to sit down, he starts and says, okay, I think these guys are going to be a good fit. Let me let me have a quick call. So he does a mini discovery with them and just asks them some questions. And then he brings me in for a bigger discovery. It takes about 45 minutes. And he's like, I'm going to introduce you to Lindsay. And he basically positions it as, look, we're very selective right now. We're almost at capacity. Um, she's going to basically talk to you and see if you're a good fit for this. <laughs> so they're like, oh, oh, what is this? Uh, so the way he positions it is just really intelligent. And... Um, and then we come back with our, our customized recommendation. And it takes about an hour and a half to go through that. Um, and that's if they pass, I guess, the, the sniff test, the discovery call. Have, I've turned down more than I've accepted. Because you have to know who's actually going to be a good fit for you as an agency. And if these folks aren't all in, then you're not going to get anywhere with them. And it, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle and you're not going to see the results. And then everybody's going to be unhappy because you've got somebody paying, you know, few thousand dollars a month in a retainer. They're not getting what they thought they were going to get. Um, and they don't really understand that the true goal behind all of this. So we do a lot of education. Yeah. The, um, the, the, the hour and a half long proposal. Um, I tell them all at the end of the discovery call, you know, if, if this, if this seems like it's going to work for you guys when I come back, I need you guys to clear like at least two hours for this. They're like, why? I'm like, you have to understand what this is. This is very new, especially for this particular industry that. Kind of grew up with television ads making the phone ring. That's what happened. They ran an ad, the phone rang. They ran an ad, the phone rang. Um, and it's it's hard for them now because you know the copier is such a commodity, and they call it you know a multifunction printer. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so it's it's interesting when we get into an engagement when I'm like, no no no, it's a copier. They're like, no 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 no, we don't want to sound like we don't know what we're talking about. It's a multifunctional printer, and I'm like, well. Before I started here, I had no idea what an m f p was, uh, which is what they call these things i'm like it was the copier I know it does all kinds of cool stuff, but it was the copier um so it's it's kind of a, a reeducation but um but yeah mo- for for the most part uh, there's just, it's so much fun to go through the sales process, which might sound crazy. Um, but it's so much fun to dig into these guys goals and vision and and the ones who are on the forefront of understanding how powerful this is. They are just, I love working with them. I mean, I love working with our clients and I I can say that without conviction. I love every single client that we work with now.
2: Wow. That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to ask probably a really dumb question because I think I already know the answer. But you said before that you really wanted to have a team. Now you have a team. This is going to be a little bit probably too mushy, gushy of a question for me to ask, but I'm still going to ask it. How does it make you feel?
3: Oh, my God. I <laughs> I wake up every day and I'm so excited to go to work. Um, my husband rolls his eyes all the time. He's like, you guys are so cheesy. Um, but... We literally, like, uh, the the last hashtag I saw on, on our, uh, we use Slack to communicate, and uh, I saw, like, mini love fest going on with, you know, thank you for the shares and thank you for this. Oh, and thank you for giving me this piece of information. You know me so well. And I'm like, you know, hashtag feeling the love and, then, like, <laughs> bring it in for the real thing. It's, it's we're very, we don't really look at it as work. <laughs> we're, we're, like, I think unusually close. Um we are very well connected. I love having a team every day. Daryl makes me very uncomfortable when he tells me what an amazing leader I am. And I'm like, I'm not a leader. We just all do this together. We mesh, we work. It just happens. He's like, No, and that's the sign of a good leader. <laughs> and I, yep. I don't see it that way, but it just, right now, it is um, it's a wonderful place to be. And so we're on the cusp of growth, and I'm petrified because it will change the culture of us. And it's going to be hard to hold on to that virtually as we grow
2: <laughs> well and that brings up a good point and so that's uh, something that I am curious about is what is the goal for prospect builder
3: so Daryl and I right now are working through what that is um, but to be honest I will be extremely happy um, my, my goal is platinum next inbound and I don't think we'll have a problem hitting it Daryl wants to hit diamond and while that sounds amazing Working the way that we do virtually and having the kind of relationships, and we see each other every day, but we see each other through a camera. Um, it's, it's wonderful that the technology allows us to do that, but it's not the same as being in the same room together. And being the size of a diamond partner, um, to me, is going to be very hard to hold on to that type of culture. Um, and my, so my goal is platinum. My goal is, you know, capping off around 24 to 30 clients. <laughs> um, and Daryl is like, let's shoot for the moon. Yep. <laughs> and I get that. He's he's the finance guy. I, I don't like numbers. He makes fun of me. He's like, be careful. I'm <laughs> bringing a spreadsheet out. Um But I I think that would make me very happy. I I don't want a gigantic team. And I never envisioned having more than 10. Now I don't envision having more than, you know, maybe 15 to 18 people. I think that's a comfortable number for for me. But as Daryl says, it's up for negotiation. We'll see where we are.
2: That's awesome. (laughs) Well, I think, uh, I mean, two big points to pull out of this. One is uh, the importance of knowing what you want and then trying to build that. And I think that it's easy... Because the the common message out there is the bigger you are, the better you are. And I don't agree with that premise. Um, I think it it really depends on your situation and your goals and what's best for you. And then the other thing that you brought out, and that I think that that a lot of agencies are going through this, especially when there's multiple people involved in running the agency, slash just on the team in general. But that is uh, the goal isn't always clear cut from the beginning. It's very common for there to be an evolution of, I think that this is what we want to hit. Oh, maybe we actually want to go this way a little bit. Like, I, I think that a lot of this stuff is more malleable than we probably, maybe than we feel comfortable with. Um, but I don't think that that's a bad thing either.
3: No, so. it's not. I, I, and I agree. And I, I know that you guys are are still, you know, relatively manageably small. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and there's, you know, you can see what a unit you guys are as a team. Like, you can see it online. You can see it when you guys are in person um, it's, it's refreshing. It's nice. It's, it's like you work with a family.
2: Yeah. I mean, it really is that dynamic of, um, even going to inbound this year, we took four of us. So my co-founder, Andrew, uh, Ryan and Ben from the team and myself. And it, part of it felt like business, like, yeah, we're supposed to be here. And part of it was like, Hey, here's four best friends, running like this is awesome that we get to call this work kind of the same thing same experience that you've had uh this is awesome that we get to call this work and it's kind of crazy that we get to call this work but really it's four best friends taking a road trip to boston and hanging out for a week so
3: that's awesome yeah it is yeah
2: but well let's uh let's dive a little bit into um like client success stories so you've talked about how much you love working with the clients are there any stories? And you already shared a campaign that you guys ran internally, but any stories from your clients uh, that you would like to share with the audience in terms of someplace where you've had a lot of success?
3: Yes. So this is where I'm going to be extremely vulnerable. Um, seeing as we are about nine months old now, uh, one of the resounding messages that I get from you know the community of Inbound, which is so powerful and so giving, which I love. Um, and I'm absolutely thrilled. I'm part of um, Mike Lieberman's um, cohort that he does, the agency to inbound. And it's so powerful to sit there with other agency owners and learn from them. And one of the resounding messages that I hear quite often is make sure you're setting expectations for your clients because other, and you have to continue to reiterate this because they will forget. Um, They're not going to see anything until like months 10, 11, 12. They won't be like, oh, there we go. This is good until around months 10, 11 or 12. And we did not do a great job of that in the beginning um, you know we, we were skipping steps we were skipping we were kind of throwing together the strategy as fast as we could and you know we got to hurry up and start getting this stuff out there so we can get leads for these guys and so we pump out these amazing blogs we do the persona interviews we, we follow the methodology but we just we, we tried to fast track it too much and that's where we are right now we're in the okay let's sit back evaluate and slow down mode um, with our clients because Luckily, they really trust us. We've built up that industry expertise. They understand us. They understand that this was new for us. So they're very forgiving when we say, okay, our original numbers are wrong, um, and here's why. Um, You 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 said you needed conversion, and we didn't do our job and listen enough and do enough digging to say, no, you don't. You need attraction. You need to, to build up the traffic on your website. They're like, oh, our traffic is great. Oh, this, yeah. And we look at the traffic and it is, it's great. We're like, wow, you guys get a lot of traffic. Okay, here's what we did not even put two and two together, which I was very upset about uh, because I, I know this. I, I ran a website for a copier dealer. Um, the way that this industry works is copiers break all the time. Um, most of the time they're on a lease. Their cost per copy. Um, you have to give, you have to report how many pages you print out a month And do you know where they report that? On the website. Through the website. (laughs) So, what they thought was amazing traffic was repeat traffic every month. Yep. <laughs> so when we're doing the discovery, we've learned now. No, let us into your analytics. Don't just give us the numbers. We need to see where it's going, what it's doing. Um, so it's, it's a learning process. My goodness. Like if I came out of the gate and said, oh, yeah, I had all this down pat because I've been doing it for so long. Oh, heck no. I, I, I mean, we, we say it all the time. We love when we screw up because we learn from it. It makes us stronger. And We've got clients who love us and trust us. And we can say, oh, I'm so sorry. We really screwed this up let's fix it. Um, They're much happier with that transparency, um, which is why it's so important to pick good partners. But we're just now starting to see some good traffic. (laughs) That is a huge success for us because these guys had websites that were very antiquated, um, very brochure type and, you know, we, we weren't doing anything with that in the beginning. We were just kind of trying to slap calls to action and different pages and trying to lead people around, but it wasn't working. And we were like, we're doing everything that HubSpot's telling us to do. What is going on? And we realized we, we didn't have the traffic that we thought we had. So the numbers that we had put out there for these guys to say, this is what you can expect, uh, they were completely wrong. Um, and the, we also, we, we made assumptions with some of these guys we're like, how many leads do you get per month? And most of the time, just starting with, oh, you know, we've got a couple dozen or, you know, at least a handful. These guys are like, nothing. <laughs> we get nothing. So our uh, the sales guy and I are like, well, how do we calculate this? And he's like, well, let's just use like five. <laughs> and so we were calculating with a fake number. As I told you, very vulnerable, very raw right here. Yep. Um, that was not a good idea. Because then we had these numbers that, we're completely bogus. So we're going back now. We're realigning expectations. Our clients are absolutely wonderful about this and quite pleased that we're not trying to sweep it under the rug. Um, and, and so we've learned. We've learned a lot from that. There are so many factors that go into this. And had I never worked in the industry, that never would have hit me over the head like a bag of rocks two months ago when we're trying to sit there and figure out why we were not getting the, the increase we were supposed to. Um, just even from an industry standard perspective, we're like, oh, because, you know, it's the receptionist who doesn't really want to look through the website. She just wants to put in her service request or her meter read for the number of pages they printed per month. They don't care. They're not our target audience either. So it's it's through this type of exploration and just tripping along the way that, you know, we've realized we really, you know, we're, we're tightening up everything we can. We are in the middle of, I'm in the middle of, you know. I should say process nirvana, but I don't like process. Um, but that's what we're doing. We're rebuilding all our processes so that now we are including website analytics and a lot more engagement with the website because we really weren't doing it very well because we were being told, no, 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 somebody else is doing a website. You can do the inbound. If you don't have control of the website, it makes it really hard to make inbound work.
2: Right, right. Yeah, there's no way to separate those two.
3: And yeah. so, so many things work. That's my success. I figured out where we screwed up. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, the reality is that more people need to see that as success and that that's not uh, you know, in some ways you look at that and you say we failed, but in other ways you say we learned it now instead of 2 years from now and we paid attention to it and we're fixing it. Yeah. So, I think that I think at the end of the day, that is a win in the long run if you look at things as a journey and not just as today um what happened. So, that's awesome. Yeah. And you, thank you. And making you,
3: me feel a little better, about it.
2: <laughs> that's my job here, Lindsay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> No. uh, I mean, that's the reality. though. So it's not just not just to make you feel better. But the truth is that everything is the opportunity to learn. You know, we have the opportunity to learn from everything that happens. And it it just so happens that typically we learn better when we when we aren't successful than when we are. But so you brought you brought up processes there uh, at the end. Are there any areas where you feel like you have uh, an exceptional process or just a process that's strong that you would want to share with the audience?
3: I think that, from a tactical perspective, we're very strong um, to be quite honest, because we you know we we were do inbound customers, and I, that was instrumental in helping us figure out our processes of course they've they've evolved and they've changed, but we didn't have any to begin with, <laughs> so being able to have that kind of uh, that guide in the beginning was very helpful to us, and of course, we have almost completely changed everything that we do um, and and we have gotten it down to a science where we understand. What every person, because again, one person does content, one person does strategy, one person does social, one person does the execution. So, you know, once the strategy is built, um, the writing happens and we've gotten really good at making sure that we're using um, all the tools that we have available to put um, the, the blogs in the right place so that the tactical person can then go in and edit, um, that they can go in and they can do the keywords, uh, and make sure that they're all in there because the the writer doesn't do that for us. He writes, he just writes for the humans. Um, write for humans is what he always says. And then she goes in and she's like, yes, but this word would work much better (laughs) from an SEO perspective. And so, you know, she goes in and refines. So our step-by-step process for blogging has improved drastically since the beginning we know exactly where we are in the phase at every step where the client is um and the the entire formatting process as well we've finally gotten that down to a t where it flows much faster now because there's multiple people involved so that process for us is wonderful
2: (laughs) that's great no i love hearing that and hearing where you know everyone's got a different place where it's like hey we're nailing this and then on the flip side, everyone has a place, too, where you see the opportunity to improve. So if you look at the flip side of that, and I know it doesn't matter whether you're young or whether you're uh, four or five years old like Guava Box is, there's always going to be those areas for improvement. So what, when you look at the agency right now, what's the area where you say, okay, this is up near the top of the list for improvement?
3: it would have to be onboarding. And I have always struggled with this. I always miss a step. And I I am the first one to admit it. Um, And we're starting to get much better at it. Um, But the actual setup and game plan and making sure the client understands exactly what's going on and why um, the the whole onboarding process is... is, We're constantly working on that. We're constantly trying to, to get improvement, uh, because we have great clients who ask wonderful questions and we ask them to do that. If you don't understand something, ask us because, you know, you guys are still, this is our our first core six. You guys are helping us figure out where we're screwing up, uh, which is, you know, that's the name of the game, figure out where you screw up and fix it. Um, so they've been very gracious in that, um, and very understanding and, and helping us see where we're missing steps and where they don't understand the reasoning behind something and we're not explaining it. Um, secondly, um, just to to throw a second one in there, we need to get a better process in place for education because it's kind of me going off on tangents, which, I mean, it's not really a tangent. It's more of I just, I start saying, hey, did I ever explain this to you? This is really cool. Let me show you this. And then an hour later, I'm like, okay, there's an hour of unallocated time (laughs) that I wasn't planning on spending, but it was great for them. They enjoyed it. We need to figure out our education process because we have you know, high level marketing people inside of these copier dealerships who want to understand this and work with us. Um, and so we have to get better at that. Uh, aside from just saying, go through the, the the inbound training, get certified. We need to go beyond that.
2: Yeah, this is something that uh, I've been talking about internally um, with the team here for a while, but I have not talked to anybody who has brought this up and said, we have a good solution for this right now. And I think that there's no way, as the inbound industry continues to evolve and to grow, we're going to see the model from a couple of years ago, I feel like, was largely handed off to an agency, and you don't worry about it, we'll take care of it. And now we're becoming more integrated, but we're going to get to the point where hopefully an agency is largely the transitional force to help you go from either doing inbound poorly or not doing it to the point where it's largely in-house. And the only way that we're going to get there is if you can educate those customers. And I'm not sure what the solution is. I have not hit on the solution yet. This is something that we struggle with as well, is how do we really continue to teach uh, and give people the skill set that they need so that they can continue to take on more and more and we can continue to kind of ramp up what we're doing and get more and more, uh, I guess, complex... Not necessarily even more complex, but just get more done and more accomplished. And so this is something that I think there's a huge area uh, as an industry for uh, agencies to improve on is the ongoing customer education.
3: Absolutely. So if you figure that out before I do, let me know. <laughs> All right. But as well, soon as I figure it out, I'll tell you. I
2: was going to say only vice versa. So <laughs> That's awesome. Well, cool. So let's uh, let's switch gears here a little bit and jump into the tools conversation, because I'm always curious in knowing what other agency owners are using. So uh, are there a couple tools or one main, main tool that you know that maybe um, other agencies aren't using right now or might not be using, but that you absolutely love?
3: There are two that we absolutely love and we could never live without. Um, one of them is Slack, um, and I've I've heard other people talk about Slack before. The first time I heard somebody mention it was on John Benini's podcast, Louder Than Words, and I looked it up because she just was glowing about this communications tool. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome because I can't keep doing the Skype thing. I can't segment anything. I can't. So we literally have um, different conversations happening for every single client. Um, we have private groups for like one-on-one conversations. We, we've been able to set this up in a way that it allows us to be in constant communication with each other. And everybody knows what's going on with the client because we put it in the client portal, even if it's you know, you, you can obviously tag somebody with, you know, if it's for my content writer. I'm like, hey, Brian, this is blah, blah, blah. But everybody else sees it too. So then I understand, oh, okay, well, this blog has been edited now. It's been updated in the project management tool. It's been, you know, it, it just, it's helped us communicate so much better as a virtual agency. Um, so we love that. And then from that, we were able to find, um, because they have integrations with other, other platforms, we were able to find a peer in. Um, And it's a peer.in. And it's basically, you can have, I believe, up to eight people in one room. And we claimed a room that we own. um, And we have our team meetings in there. But there's nothing to download. It just opens right in your browser. I think you have to use Chrome or Firefox. It doesn't work in Safari. We figured that out. Um, But it's basically, you can start a private chat room. You can have your own chat room. And you can chat at the same time as you can see each other. Um, and it's nice because there's there's no massive download. So I've actually a couple times when we've double booked our go to meeting um, accidentally, I've been like, okay, well you want to come in my my private my private meeting room here, <laughs> and they're like, this is so cool! I didn't have to download anything. Um, but that those things really help us because we get to see each other. Um, it's easy to hop right into one. You don't have to schedule anything. You can go inside of slack and literally like start an appear in room really quick conversation. And then you just click on the link and go. So yep. it's been fabulous.
2: Slack. I mean, both of those tools are awesome. We use appear.in for primarily for team meetings. We're using Uber conference for a lot of, uh, client calls, but, uh, Uber conference does not have video conferencing. It's, it's easy like peer.in where you don't have to have, uh, you don't have to go through the, go to meet the Citrix download for go to meeting. Um, but out In is awesome for video, and then Slack. I had one follow-up question for you on Slack. I'm curious about how other agencies who are using Slack are doing this. Um, do the bulk of your messages go in one-to-one rooms or in open channels?
3: Open channels. We're very open. We're, we're, we collaborate a lot. We really don't hide anything from each other.
2: Awesome. Yeah. That's uh, that's one of the things as we switched from HipChat over to Slack uh probably a little over a year ago now um we are just continuing to try and get better and better at throwing everything into a public channel so that there's not two people knowing what's going on with this blog post but then somebody else who might even though they may not ever need to know at least it's it's there and it's publicly accessible
3: and it's searchable
2: it's yeah it is amazing now here's okay another follow-up question on like are you using the free version or the paid version
3: we're using the free version and we're getting to the point where I'm going to have to pay for it soon because we've well exceeded 10,000 messages. Um, and so I think in the next three months we're going to have to pay for it because it is very helpful to be able to go back and look at a conversation that was had you know, six months ago when we started a client engagement. Um, so the first time that bites me in, in the ass (laughs) where I'm like, Oh, it's gone. Then I'll be like, all right, we got to pay for it.
2: Yep. Yeah. So we're, we're doing the same thing. We're still on the free version. And so if you're thinking about using a tool like this, it's not like, uh, Slack gives you an awful lot for free. Um, so it's just a tool. And it's not that expensive. I think it's under $7 a user. It's like 6 67 a user yeah, uh, it's per like, month it's after insane. that. Yeah, so.
3: it's insane. It's so cheap. but And you can make your own um, emojis. Yep. Yeah, we love making it. We have a unicorn pooping leads. Um, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> For the unicorn pooping leads alone, I would pay $7 a person. <laughs> that
2: is amazing. Wow. Okay, well, now that we know... Uh, what gets you excited? Let's go into your typical morning and what makes you tick. So this is a question. I don't know if you listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast at all, but he, uh, he started asking people kind of, how do you start your day? And he's got all these successful people on and ask them what goes into, uh, like the first hour of your day. So that's the question for you. That's where the question came from, um, to give credit where credit is due there. But, as far as you getting up and getting things rolling, running a virtual team with six team members, what goes into starting off strong?
3: Oh wow! I would love to tell you that I'm up at five and doing a power workout, and then you know drinking raw eggs. And well, you can tell yeah. us that we're just not going to believe it. <laughs> no, it's uh, my day starts around six fifteen with a tiny redhead with a thumb in her mouth that curls into bed with me, and uh, best part of my morning. Um, that lasts for about a minute before the dog starts barking. So. <laughs> Um, up at six fifteen, hanging out with my my daughter who's just about to turn seven, um, and uh, and her new puppy, and it's nice because we have enough time where we're able to talk. She's in a chatty phase. We have breakfast together. Um, and we take the dog out together. We I take her to school. I'm lucky in that respect. Um, she has to be there um, around seven forty five. So um, then I come home, and it's kind of it's kind of my time. And and this is new since we've gotten the puppy. I put on my my iPad, um my iPhone and and I listen to podcasts as I walk the dog around the neighborhood. Um because if I don't walk her she's just she's crazy. Um so it, it's my way of kind of keeping fresh with what's going on, keeping up with all the podcasts that I listen to, um and uh, and just starting my day right. And this morning there was a strange occurrence where we walked outside and um, a neighbor from around the corner. Their, their dog is not friendly. And they were very upfront about it right away. They're like, oh, this dog is not friendly. Don't, <laughs> don't let your dog try to sniff this dog. She does not like other dogs. Um, so we, you know, we stayed where we were, but they were going in our direction. We have a pattern. We have a routine. We go one way. <laughs> so I said, well, Sophie, we got to go the other way this time because the dog wants to, it's, it's like five times her size. She's a sheepoo. So <laughs> she's tiny. And I said, we got to go the other way, sweetie. And so she was having a really hard time. And I'm sitting there and the f- whole entire first half of the walk, I'm like practically dragging her because it's different. And I'm like, you know what? This is exactly what my clients experience every time they try to talk to me. Everything is so different. And until you find your stride, which we did about halfway through, it's going to be a challenge. So that's my quirky little.
2: <laughs> wow, we're getting all <laughs> philosophical. On the I know, right?
3: You like that? Yeah, well, the dog walk. Me. But, and then I get back, I, I make an, one more cup of coffee and then I get started around eight thirty, eight forty-five. So, which is nice because my team, you know, I'm, we're, I'm East coast. Yep. There's only two of us on the East coast and then we've got a bunch of people in the middle and then the LA guy still starts, you know, early in the morning. So, <laughs> wow,
2: there it is. There it is. That's awesome. So I'm predicting it now. We're going to see seven lessons I learned while walking my dog coming out in the next week or so.
3: so. I know, right?
2: <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, and that's cool that you get to start off like have that time with your daughter in the morning. my uh, My wife and I just had our first daughter who is four and a half months old now. Oh. and uh, it's, I, I do really enjoy the flexibility of the agency to be able to spend time uh, working from home some days and just have that have a little bit of flexibility with I don't have to be into the office at a certain time in the morning. So
3: yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Congratulations. Thanks.
2: It's been, uh, obviously less sleep than before, as you know, but it's, it's well worth it. And then awesome. So very cool. Great. Well, Lindsay, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, so glad to finally have you on the podcast. If folks want to learn more about your story, uh, hit and kind of, uh, connect with you and ask any follow-up questions, anything like that, where's the best place for them to get in touch with you?
3: Uh, well, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, please find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also get me, um, directly at my email address, L Kelly and Kelly is with an E Y at ProspectBuilder.net. Um, and I am a, a, a tweeter. So L V Kelly, again, Kelly with an E Y, um, hit me up on, on Twitter.
2: Awesome. Well, those notes will, those, uh, those links will be in the show notes. Lindsay, thanks for coming on, going from starting the agency in early 2015 to, fingers crossed, Platinum by Inbound 2016. Lindsay Kelly, everyone. Thanks, Lindsay.
3: Thank you, Gray.
2: This
1: episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management tool built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. If you want to learn how to manage, track, and scale your inbound agency with a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com slash journey. Again, that's doinbound, all one wordcom forward slash journey. Now, back to the show. All right, Greg. Great chat with Lindsay. I love the stuff that you guys
0: dug into, and I love that she came right after John Shea's interview that you did with him, and how they they were running an agency together and they split uh, happily parted ways was Lindsay's It was quote. a bitter
2: fight, Andrew.
0: <laughs> you just listen to those two. They just both sound like awesome people and you wonder like how could they have ever split negatively. Of course they split in a, a happy way and they're still yeah. podcasting buddies. I love that. And the point that I pulled out of it was like, yeah, it's a cool story. But also don't let internal conflict hold you back. Like whatever the situation that you're coming up or that you're facing – like. If Lindsay wants to grow a big team and John wants to keep it small, don't just hide those feelings. Talk about them. Bring them out in the open because if you have two owners that are misaligned as to where the company is going to go, you're going to face conflict eventually. And the longer you let that fester, the deeper those wounds are going to get. So kind of a kudos a little bit to them to kick this off of identify that you know where we want to go is different and let's make a change and we can still be friends because of that. That's okay. We're just going in two different directions. I thought that was really cool and how she made that move. And now she has a, a thriving, growing agency with a virtual team that seems to be growing really, really well. It's it's kind of cool to have an agency owner who's on, on here who's just starting out and putting good building blocks in place.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think that uh, – I mean, yeah, I didn't even think about – I guess this this probably should not – maybe should not have been just as natural as it was. But think about the fact that they – are still great friends after split. Like that just seemed natural based on the relationship that I have with both of them. But I think that what you brought out there is important that it is a big deal to realize, Hey, if we have different visions um, and obviously Lindsay was moving um, down to Florida, whatever the reasons were that they decided to, uh, to make the switch there. I think that um, you don't need to let that stuff get in the way. Just, Hey, we're both going to be successful. We're just going to do it. Uh, a little more remote and not inside the same organization, but still be successful, still be friends. Moving from there,
0: yeah. Now she had she shared three big things that I want to chat about with you. Um, kind of rapid fire here. The first, positioning the agency as selective in the sales process. I love how she teased that as like this casual thing uh, when a, the salesperson is talking to a prospect. Just mentioning the fact that we're near capacity, we need to check and see if you're a good fit. That's a subtle change. It's a subtle change in posture. It's a subtle change in voice tone. But I think that that can totally change the sort of sales conversation. It can change the dynamics of the way the prospect and the agency interact. How, what was your takeaway from that statement? Did you feel the same way about it?
2: I did when she brought that up. I thought about trying to pull that out and highlight it there. And I was like, nope, we'll just talk about that afterwards. But the selective – I mean you pile being selective with how many folks they can take on board. And that's not – there's also a very real capacity – limit at some point with the with the team that they have in place so that's not just hey we're selective but really we're not selective that's actually we we can be selective Uh, but you pile that on top of having the vertical focus and they're about as niche as it gets in the agency space obviously we've talked with you know like paul avery is a good example of someone else who's very niche um who was on the podcast here recently but uh i think that you combine those two things together and say we're specialists in this specific industry that's a perfect fit for you, and we're also selective, and I think that that has the power to set you part in the sales process, that has the power to accelerate your sales process a little bit, and puts you in the driver's seat more during that sales process.
0: Yeah, that's good stuff. Second thing she shared that I want to dive into is the building of virtual culture and putting sort of a cap on that in a sense. Like, How do you grow to a point, if you're trying to maintain a culture and there's you know the inbound culture this is something that, as agencies grow, this topic become comes out more and more as an area to focus on as you're just getting started, it's perhaps not as important unless there's a corrosive culture in place. But how do you maintain a culture feel a feel and a vibe that family feel you know that we you guys talked about the feel that we have here on our team at do Inbound and at Guava box, like we're very tight, we're very close, moving forward together. How do you maintain that vibe in a virtual atmosphere as you grow? I think there's a lot of challenges that go into that. And, you know, I kind of point back to Matt Sunshine's episode a few weeks ago where Matt laid down a, a process of you need to hire the right people who are not just the right fit for the talent gap, but also the right fit for the team gap. And you make sure you bring in the people that have the same vision and goals in mind for the work environment as much as they do for the tasks that they have on hand. Um so that that sort of dynamic of do we want to grow really, really big and stretch the team and grow to that sense or do we try to keep it a little bit smaller and, and out of almost fear of losing our culture, maintain that culture. Did you have any takeaways or any thoughts about that dynamic or any insight as to how you might help an agency who's trying to face that sort of a balance?
2: I don't know the solution. One of the things that I have thought about is it's going to be funny to look back in 50 years and probably a lot sooner than that and see that uh, you know in this time period of the internet has been around for 20 years and it's just radically changed the business landscape i think that we're going to look back and kind of laugh at all the challenges that we had and how the things that we did to try and make virtual teams work and between technology and people realizing and figuring out and solving solving for this problem of how do we maintain a culture and how do we be productive as a team together and keep everyone on the same page when we're working remotely, I think that we're going to unlock a lot of things in the future that we don't know yet. So that's one thing is just that today's environment of the awkward, we're starting to go virtual, but we this hasn't been around for that long, so we don't really know. There are new tools popping up constantly to support this. I think that that is going to change a lot over time, and so there are a lot of mistakes that I'm sure that we're making now that we'll look back at and wonder about. And it is You look out there and almost all the larger agencies, the largest of the agencies, I guess I'll say, are pretty much 100% in-person teams right now. There's really nobody to look at and say, here's how they've scaled an effective culture virtually in the agency space. So I don't know what the answer is here. I just know that's the problem and that it will be solved because this is the way that things are going, but I'm not sure how to solve it.
0: Yeah. And we've got some, some folks coming on the podcast next season that are virtual teams that grow in this model. So I'm excited to tap into some more of that expertise and see what are some, some proven processes here from folks that are walking the line every day to make this kind of a model work. Um, Last thing I want to touch on that Lindsay said that I thought I've related to really well, Gray, because we've walked through it so many times, was that frustration of misplaced expectations through the sales process tied to the fact that we don't have a solid strategy in place from the beginning. So a few months into the engagement, we're scrambling to put certain elements in place so that we can show leads. And she talked about the aha moment won't come for the client for you know nine to 12 months. But how do you put the building blocks in place early on in that process so that you're positioned well to be graded fairly at the contract renewal point? I think that's a topic that we can dive into here. Talk about the game plan process and just how important it is there to sort of hit those elements fast early on. Did that conversation with her stir up any emotions or any thoughts about our process and what we've learned?
2: I think that it made me realize that kind of everyone's going through the same boat where, especially early on in the life cycle of an agency, you struggle to set the right expectations. And then um, obviously the ongoing education process of your customers and continuing to help them understand what's going on, but also internally uh, getting processes in place. I mean, it just kind of reiterated to me the, I guess, uh dimmer you and i have talked about kind of the two different approaches to things one is following a blaze trail and the other one is being the first one up the mountain and having to solve these problems for yourself and i just think that right now the opportunity that is out there that a lot of people aren't taking advantage of or um are kind of figuring out as they go and then there's not really enough time to to put together and share the resources on what they've learned, even though it's a very giving community. I think that um, there's a lot of opportunity in this inbound space, and this just reminded me of it, to help each other out along the way, and so that not everyone has to blaze the trail for themselves, but they can follow and iterate off of what people have done before. I think that's going to accelerate the community as a whole. Obviously, that's a big part of what we're trying to do here to do inbound, but that's kind of reminded me and inspired me again that there are so many agencies out there who have this pain and they need uh, a little bit of help and a little bit of a jump start on their journey.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. It's kind of the mindset behind doing Bound and like the Let's Game Plan course that we put together to kind of walk through this whole process. I think the more and more folks that we work with going through that training, the more and more you see how important this is, that you need to gain buy-in early on in the process There's certain elements from from a tactical perspective you want to get into place. You want to have the marketing automation tool configured completely from the beginning. You want to have that funnel information in there. You want to have an identification of who are the content experts that we need to be interviewing. Because it's so important to strike while that iron's hot. Because if we miss that opportunity, if we miss that chance after the client is sold and bought in, it's really, really hard to gain their attention back again. So if the if the CEO or the president's the one you're working through in the sales process, their time is valuable. Sooner or later they're gonna get distracted. They can't focus on inbound all the time. And if they are trying to set you up as a primary POC, that's kind of a red flag. I would try to get someone else in the organization. But figure out how do you expand outside of the president, how do you expand outside of the marketing department so that you can be talking to people in all these customer facing roles and really build buy-in across the organization. I think that's where process comes in so important you can't walk in here scattered you've got to walk in with a proven system a proven plan in place to build a proper strategy and through that process of building it gain buy-in around the company that's going to be really really important as your agency moves forward and then the more clients you bring on through that process it's like refining by fire that process only becomes more pure the more times you run through it and the more team members you expose it to so We've uh, we felt that pain. Lindsey feels that pain, and I know we've worked with agency owners all over the world who feel that as well. So that's definitely something to watch the inbound community improve on together as we go forward. So,
2: yeah, that's definitely true. And one of the things that you brought out, Dimmer, that I just want to reiterate real quick is you mentioned it's really hard to get the ball rolling a second time if you drop it the first time. And I think that that's something. I mean, we've lost business because of that. It is hard once someone's given you a chance. And you didn't take full advantage to get things rolling smoothly at the very beginning. It's hard to go back later. Um, and Lizzie said they just had to be honest with people, and, and people have responded well. But in a lot of cases, um, you obviously, I think everyone can agree on this. You'd much rather just have things roll smoothly from the beginning, and it's something that we've run into. You and I were talking about this morning, just how much we hate uh, churn, and it's a, it's the same thing in the software space with do inbound right now is if you sell it to somebody and they have to cancel for whatever reason, uh, it might mean that it just wasn't a good fit for them at that time, but it might also mean that, that our software, our platform dropped the ball in some way. And that's the most frustrating thing that happens, um, in, in the software space is just, it's always hard to go back a second time and say, we we blew it the first time we weren't the right fit the first time but now we've improved so it's much better just to have a strong system from the beginning to keep things rolling the first time around
0: yeah you can't it's like a game winning drive if you get an interception it's hard to have a defensive stand and then turn around and go the other way uh especially the sales process like you get one shot at this and a retainer's worth a lot of money a lot of value in there so don't Don't get so wrapped in your sales process. that You forget about your servicing process that having that, I think like it's the first 30 to 60 days are critical. Like that's your, that's your runway that could determine success for the whole rest of that inbound partnership there. So certain key elements you got to get in place. You can't miss them. Got to get them in play there. And that kind of rolls into the, the process of educating your clients as you go. Don't, don't drop that after the sales process. Continue to pour value into your client and teach them not just the what you're doing, but why you're doing it. Always connect things back to that game plan, to that strategy you built at the beginning so that you keep that momentum rolling forward. And you can kind of keep the creativity and the inbound innovation flowing out of the different members of the, of the company, uh, not just limiting it to your agency or your POC. Uh, those are some processes that might help you out, some things that you really can't afford to miss. So, uh, great. as we wrap up here, any final thoughts or takeaways from your conversation with Lindsay?
2: Uh You know, I think we covered a lot of that stuff, and I want to let the interview speak for itself as well. Andrew, the one thing that I'll say, you mentioned the first 30 or 60 days being so important, and it just struck me that it really is the power of habit, that that's the opportunity to build the good habits for your team and also for the client and their team. Um, so I think that's why those first, in addition to the fact that everything that you do there is laying the groundwork uh for what's going to come up it's it's really just ingraining the right habits from the very beginning
0: yeah it's good stuff well thank you guys so much for listening i hope you got a lot out of this interview and what lindsay had to share if you enjoyed it make sure you reach out and say thank you to her
1: thank you for listening to inbound agency journey You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, .com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.